today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Ecclesiastes, which is actually a sermon of sorts, and it was preached by King Solomon, specifically as it relates to his hedonistic pursuit of the meaning of life absent the true and living God who alone can fill that empty void in life. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Many of us are quick to recognize the stark contrast between the secular meaning of life and the meaning of life for the believer. In today's message, Pastor J.D. introduces us to the book of Ecclesiastes, which was written as a focus on this dilemma. In his study, you'll learn the difference between life under the S-U-N and life in the S-O-N. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 as he begins his message, Ignorance Isn't Bliss Forever. We are going to begin our study through the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, Lord willing, we will get through chapter 1. So you might want to turn there. Also, before we get started, I think I would be grossly remiss were I not to at least briefly address the prophetic significance of the breaking news. Sure, you heard, doubtless you heard, about what's being dubbed as a, quote, historic deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates secured by U.S. President Donald Trump. This is huge, and what a surprise. I woke up to it this morning, turned on my computers, and everything was blowing up, you know, because we're so behind in terms of the time zone here in Hawaii, and on the mainland, they're already, you know, uh, halfway through the day, and so we're just starting, you know, I, I'm drinking my coffee going, what happened? <laughs> there was no indication of this. I mean, it was just, can I, can I use this word? Sudden. It was very sudden. Just out of nowhere, all of a sudden, there's this peace agreement that was not even being talked about. It was really under the radar. We're going to take a in-depth look at this for Sunday's update. But for tonight, I want to read a couple of quotes from this White House release. And then I'll just make a couple of comments uh, concerning this, and then also a joint statement, which we'll talk about next. So now this is a quote. Listen to this. The United Arab Emirates and Israel will immediately expand and accelerate cooperation regarding the treatment of and the development of a vaccine for coronavirus. 
working together, still quoting, these efforts will help save Muslim, Jewish, and Christian lives throughout the region. Isn't that interesting? A peace agreement with the United Arab Emirates and this release from the White House and one of the major components is a yet future vaccine for the coronavirus. Here's another quote. As set forth in the vision for peace, this is the deal of the century, which we covered back in February. Uh, the president unveiled it after <laughs> a much anticipated wait uh, back in January. And uh, this is what they're referring to. So again, quoting, as set forth in the vision for peace, all Muslims who come in peace may visit and pray at the Al-Aqsa Mosque. This is the Dome of the Rock there on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Al-Aqsa Mosque and Jerusalem's other holy sites should remain open for peaceful worshipers of all faiths. Okay, that's the release. Now here's the joint statement, also released today, and I'm quoting. President Trump recognized it was time for a new approach to achieve peace, security, and opportunity for the people of the Middle East. This historic breakthrough was made possible by President Trump's leadership and expertise as a dealmaker. Close quote. Okay. Again, we're going to go into this on Sunday for the update, but this major development to me brings up a number of questions, chief of which is concerning the prophecy in Daniel 9.27. Namely, is this the peace agreement with many, the covenant, in Daniel 9.27 for seven years with Israel and many, and that original, that word in the original language carries with it the idea of many different nations and people groups, even races. And then also, it's a very specific and detailed prophecy in Daniel 9.27, because it says that he, speaking of the Antichrist, will confirm, that's in the original language, the same word in the Hebrew as it is in my native tongue of Arabic, the word hekbir, hekbir, meaning greater, superior, spectacular, he will make bigger, greater, spectacular, superior, hikbir, this covenant, this agreement with many for a period of seven. That's seven years. And in the middle of that seven years, he, again speaking of the Antichrist, will set himself up in the temple and demand to be worshipped. He will commit an abomination that causes desolation, and it will be at this midpoint 
the three and a half year mark when the Jews will realize, wait a minute, this is not our Messiah. And they will flee to the place prepared for them that is foretold in scriptures, in the scriptures many believe to be Petra in modern day Jordan, where for the last three and a half years God will protect Israel. And then at the end of the seven year tribulation, then the whole house of Israel is saved and they call for their true Messiah, the one whom they pierced. And then that's when Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation with us as his bride by his side. Ten thousands by his side. So that's kind of a a quick nutshell, but very specific prophecy, and it comports with what the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which we just studied through that epistle, where he will set himself up as God and demand to be worshipped. Now this is after the rapture, and the rapture happens first. We talked about that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3. The rapture happens first, and then the Antichrist is revealed. Because you see, the, the day of the Lord, the tribulation cannot begin until the departure, rapture comes first, and then the Antichrist is revealed. And then what ensues is this strong, powerful delusion, deception, this lie that is so seductive, so deceptive, and people will believe the lie. It will be so powerful. And what's really interesting, the detail in Second Thessalonians 2 is such that it's God Himself that sends it. And we're even told why. It's because they, not we, they, important distinction, have rejected the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus, the Christ. And because they've rejected the truth, Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, they're going to believe the lie. Who's that? the Antichrist, Satan himself. They're going to, the father of lies. And this powerful deception is going to be so powerful, so seductive, so deceptive, and they will believe it. And that's how it's going to go down, and that's when it's going to go down. And this is why this prophecy in Daniel 9.27 is so key. So back to our question, is this that? No. Better answered, not yet, and here's why. See, the rapture is not what begins the seven-year tribulation. It's the seven-year peace agreement in Daniel 9.27 that begins the seven-year tribulation. And as we talked about at length last week, in fact, bless your hearts for those of you that were here. Online, you guys could push pause and go to the bathroom and come back. They can't. They can get up and leave and come back. But it was an hour and how many? You guys sat through that whole thing. You have treasures in heaven, I want you to know. We spent over an hour going through the biblical proof that the rapture of the church absolutely has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. It can't not. I know that's not proper English. 
It can't not. If it, if you put the church in the tribulation, then God forbid, you better start ripping out large portions of your Bible that all prove biblically, scripturally, that the rapture has to happen first. Now, when Daniel 9.27 is fulfilled, that's when the seven-year tribulation begins. So this is not that yet. Otherwise it would be the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. And if it was the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, we wouldn't be here. So it's not. Not yet. Now maybe the question needs to be asked, will this yet future, not too distant future, become that which is foretold in Daniel 9.27? And my answer is, I really believe it is. I mean, is it not going in that direction? And the reason I highlighted and underscored the mention in the release from the White House concerning a coronavirus vaccine in the context of a peace agreement in the Middle East with Arab nations, with Israel, and you've got a coronavirus vaccine mentioned as part and parcel to this agreement under the banner of saving the lives of Jews and Muslims and Christians? I mean, call me silly, I've been called a lot worse, but that starts to now bring things into clearer focus. And for those of you that have been with us over the last few months as we've talked about this vaccine and what's really going on and what's behind it, what's in it, and all about it, this starts to make sense. So one one other interesting note, and again we're going to address this in, in depth on Sunday for the update. But did you know that they're calling this the Abraham Accord? Do you know why? I think you know why. Because see, Abraham is seen as the father of the Muslim and the Jew and the Christian. And this is exactly what we're told is going to happen. It's going to be a one world economy, It's all going to be digital. Everything's cashless now. You probably already had this happen. I know I've been getting a lot of emails and comments from people both locally and online saying, if you don't have the exact amount of cash, in fact, they discourage cash. In fact, some uh, places won't even accept cash anymore. Everything has to be digital. It has to be the card because there's a coin shortage. (laughs) I'm sorry. Really? There's a coin. Where did they go? <laughs> you know, when, when this thing, I'm sorry, I should, we, we will get to Ecclesiastes, don't lose heart. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. But you know, when this thing first hit, I'm calling it a crisis for, for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons. When this crisis first hit, there were all these reports, in fact, I think we talked about them, during one of the updates, one or more of the updates, but it was all about, hey, currency carries the coronavirus. (gasps) 
We, we, you know, stay away from currency. You can give it to the church. We'll take it. We still accept cash. <laughs> that was really bad. I'm so sorry, but I think you get the point. But you, you see what they're doing, right? The whole idea is to wean us off currency and cash, and it will usher in this cashless monetary system using technology that exists today. This is not future technology. This is technology that's already in place. And they will track and trace, I'm using those words deliberately, every transaction of everyone vis-a-vis an ID, a digital ID. Everything and everyone will have a digital ID without which you will not be able to buy food. Right now, and we've talked about this again, you cannot buy without a mask. By the way, on Sunday I want to talk a little bit more, not so much about the mask, but about as Christians <laughs> living in this world, not our home. We've long overstayed our welcome. Would you agree? In this world, not our home. I mean, this world is fast. Be- even in Hawaii, as beautiful as Hawaii is, with the beaches now closed, <laughs> again, right? I guess, so you can go in the water, but you can't go on the beach. So my son was surfing today, so he goes, you know, and he, he goes straight to the water, but you can't, you know. So anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that, but so as beautiful as Hawaii is, it's almost like God is making it so that this world is losing its What's the word I, I'm looking for? It's losing its appeal, its uh, attraction. And it's like God is saying, you know, just, I'm, I'm coming to take you home. I'm coming to take you out of this world. So just let go of it. Don't make me pry your fingers off of it. Remember when our children were young and you're trying to pry their fingers off of it? It's more like this instead of holding on to it, tightly to it. So anyway, I just really believe that everything that we see happening, I mean, I could grocery list all of the scriptures. If you want homework, I'd love to give you homework. Not that I'm a, you know, college professor or anything. But I mean, this is 1 Thessalonians 5.3. This is Zechariah 12, verses 1 through 3. This is Joel chapter 2, I think, verse 3. This is, um, of course, Daniel 9.27. This is Revelation 13. This is Revelation 17, Revelation 18. And I mean, that's just a partial, not an exhaustive list. It is all of the above. Everything that we're told is going to happen is already beginning to happen. And this is just one more step forward in that direction. It's all heading in the same direction exact direction. And it's exactly as we were told it would be. This whole thing of a one world religion where all faiths come together. And what's going to usher in this great reset, reboot we've, that we've talked about 
it's going to be this coronavirus. It's, it's this orchestrated, even choreographed destruction of our current system to usher in this new Antichrist system. And in so doing, you, you destroy and collapse the economies of the world and the governments of the world. Have you seen what's going on all over the world? I mean, everything is collapsing. Everything is burning. Everyone is protesting. You know this, this going on, right? So you have this, this control, this organized, this choreographed demolition of the existing system, and then you reset with a new governmental system, a new economic system, and you've got this one world economy, this one world government, and this one world religion. You're uniting all the faiths, and you're bringing together all of the world's governments, and it will all be under the control of the Antichrist. One last thing, and then we'll close in prayer. <laughs> no, it's not that. Ooh, we better get going. Don't look at your watches. <laughs> so one last thing. You know, in Bible prophecy, you never see anywhere where the Antichrist sets anything up. Here's the illustration. Electricians will appreciate this. The conduit is already in place, and all the wiring has already been run. And now all the Antichrist has to do, when he's revealed, he's already alive, and, and even in some regards active on the scene, he has to be. And when he is finally revealed for who he is, seen as the Savior of the world, it's going to save the day. All he does is flick the switch. One world government, one world economy, one world religion. And he controls this whole brave new world order, if I can call it that. That should ring some bells. Okay. All right, let's get to our Bible study. Looking forward to the book of Ecclesiastes, which is actually... <laughs> a sermon of sorts, and it was preached by King Solomon, specifically as it relates to his hedonistic pursuit of the meaning of life, absent the true and living God, who alone can fill that empty void in life. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. It's a very interesting book. Uh, some suggest it's kind of a complicated book, one of the most complex and difficult to understand. Like, why is this book in our Bibles? Well, we're going to see why. Thanks for joining us today for In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, a book written by King Solomon. Solomon is known as one of the wisest kings to ever live, but that doesn't mean he always made the wisest choices. In Ecclesiastes, we read the words of Solomon with both hope and warning. We hope because the Lord is faithful in every season, and we read with warning, for tomorrow is not promised. Or as Solomon writes, life is vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. How will you choose to live your life this year? with hope in the Lord or with sorrow in the world. Learn from Solomon and put your hope in the lasting things, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We hope today's teaching has inspired and encouraged you to continue learning from God's Word. You can connect with us by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on Contact under the About tab. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor J.D.'s teachings are also available on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. If you don't currently have a home church, we want to encourage you to find and begin attending a church in your area. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Just check out InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com for more. We hope you'll join us next time for another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Give me truth to